You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Welcome to the Aftermath AFC Championship Week Edition. I'm your host tonight, CJ Jones, with my co-host, Chris Timpany. Chris, how are we doing on another glorious, victorious Victory Monday, my friend? Oh, you know, just another day in Chiefs Kingdom. Five years with Patty Mahomes starting. <clears throat> five years of uh, making it the AFC championship. Just call yes, it the Arrowhead sir. Invitational. I know that's already circling around the Chiefs fan base, but I mean, five years. You, you just, get the t-shirts made, Chris. Let's be honest. Let's just yeah, get, get some t-shirts made. Sorry, Atlanta. We ain't going We ain't going down there for no neutral site game. Um, Go ahead and free refund those tickets. Cancel those flights, people. Hey, real quick, how nice of it is for the Bengals to care so much about everyone getting their money back? I mean, they didn't have to worry about that, like – Sounds like it's, a very. That sounds like a very good fan base. That yeah, like the, the the Bengals players just want to make sure everyone gets that money back for. It's the stupidest argument that <laughs> that I ever. I tweeted about the the last dance. The worst thing that ever came from that Dr. Jordan Michael Jordan documentary yeah. is the fake chip on your shoulder. Everyone comes that way. The fake oh, narratives. <laughs> And I, I, this is a Chiefs podcast, but like, and we just got to talk about how that pisses me off. How even coach, even the Zach, even Zach Taylor, the head coach of Cincinnati Bengals, is talking about refund and ticket. It's like, bro, the Bengals were selling Jags and Bengals tickets for next week. Like, Thank you. <laughs> this is nothing special. Like, sure, maybe the end of a selling tickets. Your team is selling tickets. What are you talking about? <laughs> Goodness gracious! So. I didn't know we were going to start this cheese podcast with a mini rant, but you know how I do. I always find something to, hey, to you rant get it all about. Get it out. Get it out. It's all good. Let, let's get the space. Chiefs Jags first. Let's get the Chiefs Jags first. Let's let's get, knock that out because, I mean, man, it was, uh, it was a scary game. It didn't go quite as, uh, as we had planned just because of the Patrick Mahomes inter- injury. But, hey, anything is possible, man. Hey. By the grace of God, we thankfully thought shout out to all the prayers and love sent to 15, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's made of vibranium or what, man. Yeah, he got something going through his blood, vibranium or Superman blood, whatever, Wolverine blood, more importantly, because he healed up good enough to finish the game. But uh, when I was at the game, I watched him on the sideline. He really didn't sit on the bench too long, mainly because he wanted to keep the ankle uh, warm and definitely don't let it, don't want it to tighten up with the adrenaline pumping. So he came out and sat on the bench for like maybe a couple minutes, got checked out and got it taped up. Then he ran in the locker room and came back out after – and he told him to go get checked out. He was mad. But Henny came in there and did his job, man. He went in there, had a 98-yard drive, and then 15 came back in and finished the game. But what do you got to think about number four, man? Second time he saved us in his tenure as a Kansas City Chief. Man, it was it was a hell of a drive. It was a drive that I don't think a lot of backups could do. Um, even in the Andy Reid in, 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 in offense, which obviously is a very quarterback-friendly system, but like – it, that's just what a pro does, man. It reminds me a little bit of Christian Cologne for anyone that's kind of baseball fans on the Royals. You know, he was a backup. He was a bench player that uh, had a couple big hits, including the game winning hit in the world's game five of the world series. So like, you know, maybe not quite that in magnitude, but that kind of professionalism is what we saw from Chad Henney being able to orchestrate that 98 yard drive. And so, man, that dude is set in Kansas City. If he wasn't all ready for that Browns game, that man is never gonna have to buy a drink again because he's just oh my gosh, the ultimate pro. And I love I love seeing that. 
the Henny thing is possible shirts are definitely going to be broken out again. I had the first one from that season when we played the Browns in, nice. a couple of years ago. I'm sure they're pumping out more. They got to come up with something more creative now. I'm sure Rally House <laughs> and all the local stores are definitely doing something. But yeah, no, it was it was incredible. I know, like if you actually dive into the numbers, like Pacheco, I think had 60 rushing yards. There was a 15 yeah, penalty. yard penalty. Like he didn't have to do a lot. But he, he, got, he, he got a couple first downs. He threw the touchdown to 87. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's all you, that's all you can ask of your backup. I don't need you to come in there and be a hero. Just right. execute the offense. And as much mm-hmm. as you want to say he didn't lead them down the field, you got to make the checks. you got to make the calls. Mm-hmm. He made a couple big third down throws. Granted, guys were getting open. But at the end of the day, a lot of backup quarterbacks shrink in those moments. And Henny's mm-hmm. been in those big moments almost every year he's been here with the Chiefs in his tenure. So for him to come in there and have a – a 98-yard drive, Chris. Is crazy. If I would have told you that situation, and any fan for the Jacksonville Jaguars would have told you he's not scoring. To score 98 yards, I was doing everything we've been through this year in the middle of a game. It was a soggy field with the pregame snow, nasty on the on the grass. To go out there and drive 98 yards with that offense in that moment when the whole stadium was wondering, man, what's going to happen to 15? That's how you respond. That's arguably – Outside of like the big plays at the end of the game, which I'm sure me and you'll get into when we get deeper into the show, that arguably may be one of the biggest moments of the year so far. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a big moment. We don't know what was going to go happen with Pat. And to go out there and score a touchdown. And we took up, I think I think that drive was, I believe it was six minutes. I think it was something like, like that. Six or seven minutes. It yeah, took a minute. Minutes, that's, a, that's a good long drive. And you gave your quarterback time to go out there and figure out what he was going to do and not only score, but to score a touchdown. That's a huge, huge moment that a lot of backup quarterbacks cannot do. Right. No, it was incredible. And like even like just getting a couple first downs, I was impressed because if you exactly. go three and out, which again, most teams are going three and out with on their the back two at the two line. yard line. On the two. <laughs> Tommy's got no room to punt. The Jags are at least starting at the 50. And with the way Agnew was returning things, they might score. <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. That's uh, why it's probably the biggest part of the game. So yeah, it was it was huge. Um it was, I mean, it was pretty incredible. It's almost as much as we're talking, people are talking about it. It's almost undersold how incredible it was because exactly, absolutely, absolutely. big part of that game and a seven point game. But you know what? As great as Henny is and as, as, as excited for him, I was 15 is a bad dude, man. Come in there with one leg like that. You know who the, you know who the highest power, uh, passer rating in all the divisional round was this week? Wait till you get a load of this one, people. It was technically Chad Henney, but he only threw the ball five times. Like I, Chad Henney was barely beat by default beat by by decimal points. But Patrick Mahomes, out of the eight starting quarterbacks, was the number one oh, pass rating on one. It reminds me of the Greg Jennings video. If you know, if you know, you know. I'm not gonna break it down, but if you know, you know. Like. <laughs> Go on but, YouTube, type in Greg Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it was uh, – this dude is Superman. And he threw a one-legged touchdown pass off of it. Yeah, by bringing him in his system, like, He got Wolverine blood going through his veins or something because the way he came back out there and limped and obviously made throws and stepped up in the pocket and threw a touch pass, too, on one leg. Yeah, and yeah. on his right foot. So, 15 is different, man. We, we've said that all along, and he proved it again on Saturday, man. Hell of a game by 15. But you know what was almost the coolest thing about it was, and I know you were at the game, so you probably didn't get to see this a ton until you got home, but like just the, they kept showing him on the sideline when he was out and mm-hmm. just the passion and the fight and like the, hey, I I want to get back in this game. Like, I'm not, I'm fine. Don't, I don't make me sick x-rays. Don't make me do this. And not only was that cool, just seeing that much passion from your quarterback. It was also really cool to see Andy Reid in that moment, knowing that his best chance to win is, was 15. 
still have the composure and still have the the right of mind to be like, Pat, I can't put you in until you go get an X-ray. Like, you gotta go get checked. You gotta go. I get want checked. this win too. I want you to be out there, but for your own benefit, I don't care how big this moment is. You got to go on. Like, like just seeing those two being able to perform the way they did on the sideline in that situation is everything Absolutely. I could have asked for. Absolutely. In that moment. I mean, it was just, it was just incredible. And I, I don't know, it was a very, it was in a, in what seemed like a very dark moment at the time. Cause I thought he was out for the game. It's not the postseason. I, I was even thinking maybe ACL just cause he was holding his knee at one point. Now, obviously that it just was a high, high ankle sprain, but like, I was thinking the worst and to see how that played out and the professionalism from everyone. I mean, that's why, that's why the chiefs are the chiefs. Like that's why this organization that's is organization. Yeah. Man. Like I know us fans get a little carried away on, on the Twitter box and you know, we get, <laughs> we, we say some things, but in that organization, it's all class and they handled it all how they're supposed to be. And I mean, that was just on display again with a, the passion Mahomes showed and B the way Andy was like, Hey man, your safety first go get an extra we've done it all year from multiple injuries from the harrison bucker ankle injury <clears throat> to the way we excuse me to the way we handle trim mcduffie's hamstring to the way we handle Miko's abdomen injury to frank clark we all know how his situation has been since he's been a chief as well and even pat when he had the concussion in that cleveland game as well mm-hmm. when uh henny had to come in back in 2020 so we've had on and on a list of injuries and you don't like to see injuries but we know it's a vi- very violent game with football and injuries are unfortunately 100 percent going to happen so in that moment like you said chris to have the wherewithal in the mind to say hey this moment is huge but it's not about us right now it's about you so we want to make sure you're good and then we can move forward and to put that trust in your backup quarterback that says everything about this team and this front office and how much this is so much camaraderie that that's why i love this organization because everybody does their job and everybody's ready for the moment because we've been in so many big moments the last five years. It seems normal to be in an AFC championship game, right? But we have to appreciate this. I think us and the New England Patriots are the only teams in this era to only go to five straight championship games, let alone play them at home. Mm-hmm. So that's even more of an impressive stat. So to be in this moment, have another chance to compete for a Super Bowl, you can't ask for nothing more, man. And I know it's tough and there's always going to be some adversity, but you have to live and appreciate these moments for sure, Chris. No, definitely. And, you know, that that really was the, the tone of the game. There were a lot of the things that happened, but, like, that was really what made the game for me. But let's get some other love. You know who's kind of going under the radar somehow is is Pacheco. Like, Pacheco's like the fourth or fifth guy people are talking about. Rookie seventh rounder coming out here with, with 95 yards, carrying that team on that drive when they need it. 7.9 yards of carry, Chris. Let's go! Like... Goodness gracious! I, I, was, right I was low on Pacheco. All right, I was. I don't want to say low. I wasn't getting into the hype like everyone was yeah, in the preseason yeah. and the, the first five six weeks of the season. But now there is no question in my mind, in any Chiefs fan's mind, that this guy is a baller. He should be the running back. He should be the one getting the getting those handoffs. Um, you know, fifteen to twenty, depending on the game flow, because he he just he. He just provides a spark. He could go for one yard, and he provides a spark, just the juice he has with the way he runs and the way he gets up. And it's like, I love seeing that from a kid. And his first playoff game did not blink. And it, and especially when he performed the best when they needed him to on that one drive. Exactly. That makes it like, that much better. 
And my favorite play of the game for him was in that drive in the second half when obviously we were running the football and we needed to get going. And he took a zone in earlier this year. Me and you talked about it. His feet kind of get ahead of his mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. His eyes are not matched with his feet. He may miss a hole or rush himself and run himself out of a play. He did exactly what me and you talked about. I think I, I think I remember the episode. I believe it was the Chargers game. It was either the Chargers game or it was the Raiders game where he literally missed a hole. And we were all like, God, you got to get that. You can't miss that hole. It was like the Clyde issue all over again because everybody <laughs> on the Twitter box was like, oh, here we got another running back who can't read a hole. He went on the – it was his own right. He went right on right up inside Trey. He stopped his feet, let the play develop. And on the left side, you could just see Orlando. And I posted it on our page. I'm sure I'll repost it for all the fans to see. You could just see Orlando and Joe Tooney just clear out the entire left. Mm-hmm. He stops, he's patient, cuts it back left, and then just bursts down the sideline for that big run on that drive. So for him to grow up and be more mature in those moments, to not only be better as a player physically but mentally, to show off all the attributes that we saw with his speed and all the strength, like you said, when he gets up off the ground. He finishes runs so violently, which is we love. But to have the wherewithal, to have that that vision and that mentality, to learn from his mistakes that he did a lot this year, I'm so proud of him for that, more so than the physical part, because I knew he could do it, but to see it with your eyes and mentally – that's the thing I have definitely the pride of most about Bob Pop. Yeah, this is that's why you don't take running backs in the first or second round. Is you because can find guys anywhere, man. You can, <laughs> like it's, I, and I don't like ganging up on Clyde, and it's not I his like fault, Tucson, man. We got love, but but Daryl Williams, Damian Williams, <laughs> shout out to the Williams, Jeremy Kenyon on a on a veteran deal, Isaiah Pacheco, like. You, you can, can find, find running backs. Running backs. <laughs> you can find running backs. That's just how it works. But the last thing on the offense, and we don't have to spend too much time on this guy right now because I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but 87 just does what 87 does. He Another, catches it seems like he had a quiet day, though. but 98 yards for <laughs> 14 catches. 14, <laughs> They didn't really talk about all, too much. He just finished almost a honey bun, two tutties, you know, something like Chris, something Goodness like that. Another, another day at the office. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that, He's like, I think he's, I think he's two touchdowns and fifty-four yards away. From, yeah, uh, from, from being, being second, second all-time yeah, in yards, yeah. in yards and touchdown catches in the postseason, only trailing Jerry Rice and both. Crazy, that's crazy. So like, he's just he's just an animal, and it gets even it gets amped up in the postseason. He's had either a hundred yards or two or more touchdowns in the last seven postseason games he's played in. Yeah, I know we so, say playoff Mahomes, but playoff Kelsey's a whole different monster. Yeah, right? <laughs> just, just an absolute animal. I uh, love that guy. Let's jump to the defense, though, because the defense, I know if some of the metrics didn't necessarily love the way they played, and I know the Jags missed some plays. Like, Kirk had that big drop on that on that long the uh, pass, pass early yeah. in the game, and, like, there were a few missed opportunities from the Jaguars. That being said, the defense, I thought, made enough plays anyway. Jalen Watts, another seventh rounder, that was shot my young audibly Jaylen, yelped, man. Audibly yelped at, at my buddy's house when that happened, and it was like it was so dirty. It was, and he had like a cast on the other hand or something like that, like taped up. Like goodness gracious, these these seventh rounders not flinching in their first postseason. Shout game, out the beach, man. man. Like, these rookies are coming through, man. That was nice. McDuffie had another good game. Playoffs, I didn't hear McDuffie's right? name, which I like, Chris. You know why? That means they're not throwing at him. I like Right, it. right. And can we talk about playoff, Frank? <laughs> playoff, hey, he said it before the game. He said, hey, there's blood in the water. He said, I'm going to put on a show. And what did he do? He followed it up with a sack. I don't know what it is about January, but playoff, Frank, he shows up, man. He smells blood in the water. Maybe you can answer this question better because I only I couldn't come up with a good answer, but I was asking my friend, like, who 
has the playoff stats of Frank Clark with the regular season production of Frank Clark. Because, like, you know, because <laughs> he tied Reggie White uh, in exactly. all time in postseason sacks. And, like, he's just – he's up with those names. I think Terrell Suggs, and I don't remember who's first. But, like, those are the kind of names he's on a short list with. Mm-hmm. And the best I could come up with is Julian Edelman. You know, just an average player in the, in the regular season. But once the mm-hmm. postseason comes – Turned it on. They turn it on. Is there is there a better, like – comparison off the top of your head because i don't get it i don't get how this no, dude could be so mediocre when you look at the guys that perform in the playoffs they're usually dominant guys in the regular season like when you look right. at Ross numbers he dominated every regular season you Jerry look at Rice, numbers, Jerry Rice, reggie white all those guys i think warren sapp has a lot of playoffs as well but all these guys are hall of famers for a reason because they dominate in the 16 17 games in between the, the playoffs and then mm-hmm. they come to just continue those trends so for frank to be this dominant in january and then obviously we always have questions about his health status is he gonna play is he not gonna play right. he finish the game why aren't you practicing did not participate every week it's so frustrating but when he he put his mouth to his paper and he said hey i'm gonna show up this week and he did so I really outside Edelman is a, is a perfect comparison. I love okay. okay. He obviously had a great regular season, and even like Edelman was more consistent than Frank was as far as regular right. season wise. He was, and then like, he didn't have the greatest regular seasons, but for playoff numbers, I think Edelman's right up there with Kelsey as far as like all time and catches and touchdowns. So <laughs> Frank shows up when it's January, man, and I and, I'm, and I love it. I'm here for it. I'm hoping we keep this trend going this week because we're going to need another big one from him this week back in Arrowhead. So, but yeah, 55 definitely does live for the moment for sure. It's just even more comical when you look at Chris Jones, uh, who's having a borderline <laughs> Hall of Fame career. I don't want to say it's Kai Hall of Fame, but like he's borderline. an elite, a borderline elite level Absolutely. player. Man, has played in just as many playoff games as Frank and has zero sacks. It's like, like, it's like, but when you're in the regular season, nobody can block Chris. I'm like, it, it, it makes no sense. Like, you dominate all the regular season, January he struggles. This guy can't even stay on the field during the regular season. When January comes, he's unblockable. It's like it's, a, it's the most backwards thing you can think of. I don't know how to explain it. Frank Clark does some monster stuff with with Chris Jones, I guess. Yeah. I guess they just switch. Yeah, like, hey, bro, you got to just leave. You right. can see in the post game interview they had, they were like celebrating with each other. So Frank was like, "Don't tell them too much about the sauce, man." Don't tell oh them my about. gosh, it was awesome. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. You know, it, it it is all positive. There's a lot of things to talk about, uh, but. I was a little – I don't want to say disheartened, but, like, Karloftis was one of the rookies that did not play well. And Brian Cook is another rookie that didn't really play that well. They showed a little bit to me that they were rookies in that big moment. And mm-hmm. you're going to need those guys, uh, especially Karloftis next week against the Bengals because that pass rush against – can't do what the Bills did and not get pressure. We're going to need it coming from everybody. And I would – like, Karloftis doesn't have to get in the backfield. Just you have to be a threat. You have to, you know – be able to tip passes like I don't even think he knocked the ball down like I just felt like for as much as Carlos was out there he was kind of a non-factor Derek Naughty had more of an impact than Carlos did this no absolutely week. Like, and we knew that coming into the game we have so many rookies playing from yeah Jalen Watts and the Trent McDuffie to Sky Moore George Carlos Brian Cook Leo Chanel coming in there and got some reps a lot of young guys are playing and for the mm-hmm. couple of guys that we did have out of the ones I just named most of those guys made plays so obviously we would like for all of them to be more impactful in the game, especially George Karloftis, given the fact he was one of our right. early picks. And we know how dominant he's been the last seven games of the year. I think he had five sacks in his last seven games. So we definitely need to get him going this week. Because the D-line has been obviously the talking point of this team since training camp. It's been mm-hmm. a talking point since the summer. We all know how this guy, this group had the most pressure on them. That's why they added new guys like Carlos Dunlap, who came in and made a couple plays. And George Karloftis, who... It didn't show in the stat sheet, but I'm sure he freed up a couple of guys like Derek Nadi to get in there and obviously Frank Clark bend it off the edge. So um, 
there's definitely going to be a lot of opportunities for those guys to prove themselves. More so importantly, like you said, Brian Cook, because we know the Bengals love to throw the ball in the middle of the field to guys like Hayden Hurst and Tyler Boyd. And they're going to get their opportunities because they're just all great players and you can't cover everyone. So somebody's going to get a one-on-one and you just want your guy to be ready and be in position more importantly. And yeah, like you said, we got to get nine on the ground, man. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. He's very elusive. He's slippery. He gets out of a lot of sacks and you can't go into a game like the Bills did and just don't put no pressure on him. You can't do it. You got to mix up the looks, send him some blitzes, give him some man, some zone, some two high, single high, try to throw some one zero at him, maybe just some combo quarters. You got to get him to confuse his looks. If you give him the same picture the whole day, he's going to cook you. And obviously the game plan that we did last matchup, I liked it. We just didn't give up any big plays. We let Samaje Piran have a get a good day in between the 20s, which kind of looks bad on the stat sheet. But overall, you didn't really see any big plays over the top, which is really what you want to do versus a team like this when you have three receivers that can beat you in almost one play because they're all really explosive. So big week for George, bigger week for Chris. Mm-hmm. Right, man, got to keep it going, man. If we get this guy on the ground, Chris, that changes everything for us because that's one of our biggest downfalls against him. We can't get him on the ground. So we got to get sacked this week, Chris, and there's no excuses. We know what it is. They know what it is. Three starters out. Chris, we, we we can't come back next week saying the D-line didn't do enough. If we want the result we want, Chris, we have to get them on the ground. Point blank, period. Right, right. Jumping and running to this Bengals-Chiefs game here. I, I think that is the main thing is, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Mahomes' ankle. There's other, you know, matchups and things that are interesting. It's like, you know, Chase and Snead or Chase and uh, McDuffie, depending on what the Chiefs do there. But it really comes down to the Bengals' offensive line, the Chiefs' defensive line. Absolutely. The Chiefs can the Bengals or the Bills could not take advantage of that, and I think part of that was the snow. I know we love roasting the Bills because it's fun and they deserve it a little bit. But to be fair, I think that snow had a little bit of an impact on that pass rush. I don't. I know there might be some snow in the forecast already. It's kind of dicey a little bit for for Sunday's game on what the weather's going to be like. But they cannot get out of that game without you know, three to four sacks on Burrow, or at least, you know, sacks are sometimes tough, but you gotta, you have to be, you know, the Bills only had three quarterback hits all game and we saw what Burrow was able to do. Crazy. The Chiefs need, need a lot more than that. They need to be in his face all game. We need a couple tip passes, you know, Dunlap didn't really do a lot either uh, against, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I don't really, really remember if it was a couple tackles, a couple Yeah, 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 I don't really remember why that case why well, I, I remember Carlotta's just wasn't playing well but i don't remember why dunlap's production was low but like he's going to be juiced up for another game against his former team you know the team where he spent most of his career played really well in that first game you know made, made at the time maybe the defensive play of the game where he blew up that jet sweep on the goal line so we're going to need an impact from him and it's just we spent a lot of time sitting here talking about the d-line and if you listen to us all year we spent a lot of time talking about the d-line but that's that's kind of when you talk about the defense where this game is really matters for the Chiefs. Absolutely. And when you have, like, obviously your leader, it all starts with 95. So if Chris Jones sets the tone, he's getting in the backfield. And obviously he finished last week with one QB hit. Um, obviously Frank Clark had the sack as well. We had some DBs get in there as far as when we have those slot mm-hmm. blitzes that we like to use. But guys like Colin Saunders and Mike Dana and uh, Derek Noddy, they all feed off the energy of 95, Chris. Like, it all starts and starts with stop and starts with him. Like you said, he's had a borderline Hall of Fame career finished the year with 15 and a half sacks. There's no reason why he shouldn't finish this game with at least a sack, Chris. Like, it, there's no excuses. Like, we have to to get him on the ground. Like, that's the win. When you get Joe Burrow on the game on the ground, he gets rattled. He's a great quarterback, and you can't take nothing from him. Hell, he went through a game last year versus Tennessee. He got sacked nine times. Then he got hit yeah. like 15, 18 times, and they, he just kept getting back up, and they found a way to win that game. So the kid is resilient. He doesn't really flinch when he gets hit. So, But if you have to have any chance of – 
keeping this team under their normal team totals and trying to keep this game close because obviously we don't want to get in a shootout at the moment given the fact the circumstances we're going through. You have to get them on the ground and get them in second and longs and third and longs, and you want to get – obviously, hopefully we get a couple of false starts here and there given the crowd noise, and I know Arrowhead is going to show up again in a big fashion just like they did on Saturday at the Jaguars game. But you got to get them on the ground. It all starts with that D-line rotation. So we expect Frank Clark to keep his juice going. Chris is going to get his double teams, and Frank going to get their one-on-ones. And it's going to come down to Carlos, George, Naughty, and obviously um, Saunders as well. All those guys have to make plays. And they're going to get their opportunities because obviously the Bengals slide a lot. I watched the Bills game, and they obviously didn't do a lot of max pro, which is very shocking to me because I thought they would probably keep a tight end in or running back in the chip. But they that their five linemen just block straight up, Chris, and that probably shows they have confidence in those guys. So if they're going to let you block one-on-one, there's no excuse why you can't get number nine on the ground. you got to get a sack this week. And Chris, Chris knows about the moment. This is arguably one of the – if not the biggest game of his career so far. If you don't get it done now, I don't know whenever you're going to do it, to be honest. No, definitely, for sure. And uh, jumping, though, to the other part of the defense is, let's get into the secondary. How would you – because how uh, – sorry, excuse me. The first time around, I thought the Chiefs actually did a pretty decent job on the receivers, especially McDuffie. I, the numbers when McDuffie was guarding Chase, I, I think Burrell's passer rating was like around 50. Like, it Very wasn't – it wasn't, it wasn't a good day for Jamar Chase when McDuffie was on him. So I think you replicate that. The other thing is that was the one game Jalen Watson didn't play this year. And we mm-hmm. saw a lot of Joshua Williams on T. Higgins. And if you remember, that was what iced the game was T. Higgins beat Joshua, Joshua Williams Josh one-on-one. Right on one. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was bad coverage. It wasn't bad coverage. It, but, like you know, it was – he did get beat off the line on, on, on a slant route and, and – you know, Burrow, credit to Burrow and he, Higgins. It was beautiful pass, beautiful throw. But, like, do you think that adds an element having Jalen back? Or do you kind of feel like, Jay, you know, Jalen and Josh, you, you flip a coin, they're both rookies, they're both long. Like, does That's it really matter? At the beginning of the year, I thought yeah. it was more like either guy or young. They both need to have tendencies and get right. the ball, at playing the ball with their eyes and getting their head around and obviously having more awareness. But, Towards the end of the year, Jalen, I think, has proven he's the better corner out mm-hmm. of the young guys between him and Josh. He's had two big plays this year when everyone remembers the pick six he had versus the Chargers on Thursday night football, our home opener. That was a crazy game. I was on the I was on the end zone watching him run towards us, and the stadium was crazy loud. You couldn't hear yeah. anything. And then for him, this interception he had this week, Chris, my jaw was on the ground when I oh saw my gosh, him it pick was this crazy. ball off because as soon as the ball left Trevor's hands and shouted Justin Reed were getting pressure off the blitz, and I can't believe they didn't pick him up. As soon as the ball was in the air, I was like, Jesus Christ, just look around. Just turn around. I don't care what you do. Just turn your head around and look for the ball. I don't care if you hit it or you miss it. Just look for the ball. At least get your head. He did it immediately. I was like, thank you. Now he has a chance. The ball's coming down, and he just went up. And shout out to OBJ from the Giants and just snagged it with one hand. Mm-hmm. I think his hand was taped up. So mm-hmm. then to make that play in that moment, that was the play of the game for me. Because obviously yeah. we just had got the fumble recovery from Jamal Agnew, the, the drive before. And for them to come back down, obviously they were moving the ball again, which was very frustrating because we wanted to get a first down and run the clock out. For him to make that play, and I think if that ball was caught, it would have been on the 30-yard line. They would have been in the red zone again. For him to make that play, take the ball away, which we've struggled at getting turnovers this year from our secondary, that was huge. That was very, very, very huge for this defense. And confidence for Jalen going into this week, like you said, going up against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst. And they got multiple guys that can get open. So for him to have these moments and to show up again, and he said he, he's a guy that prides himself on, if I get targeted more than three or four times, I want to make a play on the ball. And he mm-hmm. did that on Saturday. So I was so, so proud of Jalen to see where he's come from from college and being a seven-round guy and now becoming a starter and a rotational guy for us. And 
him continue to make big plays and make strides. I could tell all the film work and the study he's doing is getting better because all the tendency things like we talked about with Pacheco, with your eyes and your feet, you can see all those issues they've been working on and it's showing fruition or coming into fruition now towards the end of the season. Right, but yeah, don't don't get it twisted with the Bengals. I know, I know, McDuffie did a heck of a job on Jamar Chase, and I don't even know Jamar's. I think Jamar still had had a decent game statistically. Most of, most of the receivers had a decent day. Yeah, but like that's where it starts, you know, that shutting him down or at least limiting his opportunities is where it starts when you're defending the Bengals. Like Absolutely. we can sit yep. here and talk about Joe Mixon and how P Ryan had a good game against the Chiefs uh, last time rushing running the ball. You're not going to win this game running the ball, in my opinion. With, I mean, with both teams are going to come in with the same game plan. Obviously, Spags and Lou Amaro from uh, from the Bengals, they have very different um, approaches to defense, but both are obviously the same mindset. The Bengals don't want to give up any big plays against us. That's why most of the time, what do they do, Chris? They drop eight. They drop seven. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hey, if you're going to beat me, you're going to use Pacheco and McKinnon. I'm not going to let 15 dice me up if I'm playing man or playing single high. So they're going to drop guys in coverage and force you to have seven, eight, nine play drives and make you use up a lot of clock as a defensive coach i'd rather say hey if you can beat me in a nine play drive i'll shake your hand rather than you Mm -hmm. beat me over the top with three or four plays and if we're playing the Bengals, we're looking at them the same way hey drive eight nine plays on me i'm in seven or eight minute span i'm not gonna let you just throw it to jamar chase or t higgins down the field and beat me in three or four plays so both defensive coordinators are going to come in with the same mindset and when you look at the stats from the last game like chris mentioned uh, samaj p ron ran for 21 carries for 100 yards Had a really good game. It seems like he had a quiet day, but he still had 97 yards, Chris. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. But, no, but I was like, I remember him getting <laughs> yards, but I also remember the stat about McDuffie locking him up. And so it was like exactly. a weird, it was like That's a weird why it wasn't combination. that much of an impactful. Yeah, it wasn't that big Right, right. It, but, it really wasn't too bad. Obviously, overall, like Tyler Boyd had 60. Samaj had 49. touchdown. Yeah, That's he dropped that touchdown. And, he and had he had was the one that scares me the most. He only had 35. So we yeah, really contained the their game. offense for as best as we could. That day, Joe Burrow finished with only 280. So, obviously, you can't ask for a better day than that. And, obviously, we had the interception, which was taken off the board, which I kind of don't agree with. But as a football head, I get it. But it's just given the guy he threw it to, I didn't really approve of that one at the time. I'd rather you just let him play and let the players decide. But I could see Trent McDuffie had no fear in his eyes, Chris, like you said. To to go up against arguably the best receiver in the game in Jamar Chase, he was ready for the moment. Um, I could tell on one of the first reps I remember in that game, he obviously adjusted his stem because he was head up. But then after – Joe made an adjustment. He took an inside stem to get on that inside shoulder of Chase. Mm. So I could tell he's learning a lot of things. He's been a technician. He's been a guy that's obviously played a lot of big football. Even back to Washington, they've had so many good DBs come into the league. So you can tell he's a guy that has been coached well and coached the right way. And obviously, he's had a lot of strides and a lot of adversity to go through as well this year with a hamstring injury. But he looked good versus Jamar Chase. For the reps that I saw, for him to go one-on-one, and obviously we've played a lot of receivers since then, like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Devontae Adams. So he's, he's obviously seen the best of the best this year. So. I'm I'm obviously very, very, very confident in this matchup, way more than I was last year with our corners. I like Snead. I like Trent. I like Jalen's progression this year so far. So, And obviously Justin Reed and obviously Warren Thornton have played better of late. So I like the matchup better this, this, this time around with our DBs, more especially our corners. So I'm not really worried about them as much, more so than I was last year. But, yeah, it's just – I know it's kind of a repeating thing, but linebackers are going to do their thing. I know Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are going to get their matchups, and they're going to – they're going to make some plays. Hopefully they don't miss too many tackles, but it all starts with the front four, man. <laughs> they got to get back there, Chris. You know how I am, Chris. I've always, I love I love great DB play. If anybody knows me, defensive line over DBs any day of the week for me. Because if you can get <laughs> pressure, it makes your job that much better. You don't have to cover that long. So right. Now let's jump to the offense because um, this is where it all a lot of the conversation is. Let's just – but hey, 
Let's talk about status in the AFC. There's a lot to gain, obviously. That the Chiefs win this game, they go to their third Super Bowl in five year, or four years. They have a chance to, you know, people say that you need two Super Bowls to become a dynasty, uh, or excuse me, three. I link it a lot with a lot of the other, um, you know, things they have accomplished with the five AFC championships, three. Like, you could still argue that if they get a second, obviously a long way to go. On the flip side of that, if the Chiefs lose this game, they will be 0-4 against Joe Burrow in, like, where, where are we at? We're at going to be at, like, 14 months, 13 months, something crazy like that. Crazy. What does this do to you on the narrative that, like, hey – Mahomes is that guy. Mahomes is the most talented quarterback, but Joe Burrow's the actual best quarterback. Like, like, how do you think that narrative fits? If, if, because it's gonna, it's gonna be what they talk about if Absolutely. Burrow's able to beat Mahomes for a fourth time. Absolutely, it's it's something you don't want to think about, but it's obviously reality, right? Like, it's gonna be a terrible offseason really if that happens. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a long couple of months until the draft gets here. So, obviously, Joe Burrow's an amazing talent. He's a good quarterback. You can't take nothing away from him. He's been put in a great situation with a lot of good pieces around him. And the guy's resilient. Like I said, he got hit 20 times in the playoff game and got up and didn't flinch and still threw, threw, threw strikes for touchdowns to help them win a playoff game. So uh, if – I don't even want to think about it, Chris, but <laughs> we we have to win this game. You don't want to go right. down 0-4 to this guy and lose to him back-to-back years in your stadium, mm-hmm. your home field with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You just can't allow that to happen. So it's a good football team coming in, coming into Kansas City this weekend. I'm super excited for the matchup. And – they can make all the plays, and they don't really have too many weaknesses going into this game. So the narrative is going to be nasty because obviously they're going to start seeing Joe Burrow as a better quarterback because he wins in the big moments against the quote-unquote best quarterback with Mahomes, and he beat you twice in your stadium. He's going to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years, and obviously then they're going to spin it back and say, oh, well, Pat's ankle was hurt. Or either way, losing to any quarterback four times in a row that's not in your division is nasty. You just don't want to do that ever. You don't want that on your record. I'm sure it pisses off the team. I'm sure it pisses off – Coach Reed and anybody else that's in Kansas City, we don't like that stat. We don't like hearing it. So, mm-hmm. like, I, that's why I would put them. That's why I'm putting the pressure on the D line and really the whole team. What are you going to do about it? Like, we know there's adversity. There's going to be Chris said there's possibly snow coming into the precipitation for the forecast. Pat has an ankle. Obviously, we know we have a lot of new faces. We got some rookies playing. What are you going to do about it? Like, this is your moment, Chris. Like, there's so much adverse. I think the betting line went from Chiefs were at two and a half. Now they're like a, a one point underdog at home. Everyone's betting on the Bengals. Everybody's betting on the Bengals. And it gives me a real Brady Rogers feel. Yeah. If 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 Mahomes loses. And I and I don't always like these comparisons because really there's you know, it it's they no, don't really exist. You know, like <laughs> and Burrow hasn't actually won anything. So like exactly. saying he's Brady is is sounds a little crazy. But if he does go to back to back Super Bowls, even without winning and he beats, and he's 0-4 against Mahomes. There's a lot of career left. But the narrative for the next year or two will be, hey, Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers, where he's maybe the best we've ever actually seen throw the ball and the things you can do. But Brady's the one that actually, you know, or Burrow's the one that actually beats him and actually, you know, goes to Super Bowls. and actually Because when Mahomes went to his first two Super Bowls, Burrow wasn't a thing. You know, Burrow mm-hmm. wasn't in the league when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And the second year, he was out for the season on his rookie year. Um, after about five or six mm-hmm. games or whatever that was. So he wasn't a factor when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl the first two times. So there's and there's this whole real – and maybe not even Brady. I know I'm kind of switching up what I'm saying here. San Francisco, because you know who has Rodgers' number? 
San Francisco 49ers. He cannot get past them. That's a fact. The Burrow and the Bengals would become Patrick Mahomes, San Francisco to where, hey, you're the best guy around, but when it comes to this team in the playoffs, you ain't got anything. I don't want that to happen. I don't care if 15 is 15%. He's going to be out there (laughs) slinging it. Absolutely. And whether and the Chiefs are going to get this dub, but I am a little worried about, and I shouldn't be so worried about narrative, but it is something that in this today's culture that like you can't help but think about. Like, unfortunately, man, yeah, it's part, it's part of the man, <laughs> legacy part, legacy wise. Yeah. Like, this kid, I mean, we know he's a Hall of Famer, but you like to, you like to think of your guys as, you know, when you have this much success to that next level and that exactly. legacy hit is, uh, that's why this game means so much. <sighs> I could just, I, I'm motivated. These are the kind of games that I live for as a former player. I, I live for these type of games. Obviously all the chips are down. People are counting you out. Like you said, the betting line is switched. Vegas likes the opponent, the money line, everybody in the public likes that your opponent. So nobody thinks you're going to win this game and you're at home. Then you have a chance to make history with a fifth straight AFC championship game with a chance to go to a third Super Bowl in four years. I don't, like You don't need any extra motivation for this game, Chris. And you got on top of that players for the Bengals like Joe Mixon and Eli Apple talking trash and Zach Taylor saying it's disrespectful to sell Atlanta tickets to the neutral site for the possible game we would have had if the Bills would have won. So all the extra motivation like you ever needed, like they're just giving you more, more fuel to the fire. So I know the guys are super locked in. I know they're they're pissed off and they're motivated. I couldn't imagine losing to a team three straight times in a year, which is crazy to say. I fully, fully expect this game to go down to the wire. I, I, it's going to be a oh, classic. Oh, it's it's going to be such a good game, but I really feel like these guys are going to pull it out because there's just so much riding on this. Like, there's no looking back. There's no turning back now. Like, you have to do everything possible in your power to win this game. And they can do it because, obviously, we know how the last matchup went. We're up four like 11, 10 minutes Humble. left, we're driving, we fumble the ball. If we score on that touchdown drive, we're up 11 with maybe five or six minutes left. Two-possession game with five, six minutes, we most likely win that game. So we know we know what to do. We know the formula. And if you go back to the AFC Championship game, we started off 21 to 10. We're dominating that game. So we start off very well against this team. We just unfortunately don't finish the game because we turn the ball over. But when we do get the turnover like we got in the game to match up this year with the Carlos Dunlap tackle, on fourth down, you have to take advantage of those opportunities. Because anybody knows if you give these great quarterbacks like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, any of these great quarterbacks, if you give them extra possessions, you're probably going to lose because they're good and they can score a lot. So you have to get that one turnover, and that's my biggest key for the game. If we win the turnover battle, Chris, we win this football game. That's my key. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's my one key for Always, always. Are you worried at all about the mobility eh. affecting Mahomes? Because uh, he, he's not going to be able to move like he does. Yeah, he's going to probably power through it a few times, and we're going to get a few plays just because that's in his nature. But he's not going to be able to move, yeah, like he normally does. I fully expect him to be somewhat limited for sure, given the fact it's a it's a high ankle sprain, and obviously everybody's body heals differently. Because the report came out saying that he felt a lot better waking up Sunday and Monday morning um, than they thought it was going to be. Obviously, thankfully the X rays came back negative, so it wasn't like a they haven't given out the grade during the report, but I'm guessing it wasn't as a high grade given the fact that the x-rays came back negative, so nothing was broken or anything. Um, so thankful for that. But, yeah, I definitely expect him to be limited in that fashion. Um, probably won't be as many scrambling plays as we're used to seeing from him. Probably a lot of quick game, quick designs, which I've heard. And I mean, my friends had this conversation, Chris. I'm interested to get your point. You think it's like a low-key, and I don't ever want to wish injury on anyone, especially our quarterback, but this may be a blessing in disguise because you remember how the offense – was built before Mahomes got here. It was very strategic, like three-step, five-step, hit your back foot, balls out, not too much creativity or extending plays. There was some, obviously, because Alex Smith was an athlete, but there was a lot of timing and getting the ball out. He didn't really extend the play as much as Mahomes does. Mahomes almost extends 
almost any play he would throw a drop back and throw on the football. So do you think this may be like a blessing to say, hey, get the ball out quick, don't try to extend the play, see what you see, and actually get our run game going to we may actually see Pacheco and McKinnon get 20 combined touches this week. Given the fact that the last two times we played them, we've averaged six and seven yards a carry against these guys. So we've shown we can run the football, which is very impressive because the Bengals have one of the best run defenses in the league. Yeah, you know, I I want more than 20 touches for those two combined. I think I well, want I think I want thirty I think I want thirty. Yeah. Um, sure. And That's part cool. of that is because I think the Bengals are still gonna come out where they're, you know, not really blitzing. They're gonna be able to they're gonna only send three, maybe four with Hubbard and Hendrickson's being able to win their matchups. And so you're going to have to swing it out to McKinnon and Pacheco faster. I think it is a blessing just because Chad Hitting even spoke about it, and I was surprised about how under the radar this is. He talked about how on that touchdown pass to Kelsey, he said that was a play that was graded high for me. So I had confidence, you know, running it, going in. And it's like even these guys have, you know, they have their plays. They have what they're – able to do and how they perform on these plays so this week in practice I don't know how much Mahomes is actually going to be able to practice obviously with the ankle but like mm-hmm. you're going to be able to know what plays are probably better for stationary pocket passing and what plays are going to you know potentially need you know, there's not going to be any rollout plays called which Mahomes surprisingly <laughs> led the league in he led the league in in designed rollouts you yeah. know mm-hmm. not designed runs but designed rollouts where he's play faking and he's and he's coming out and and throwing passes not always a play fake but you get what i'm saying um so those plays are going to be thrown out the window and it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a lot more of the plays that are graded high for henny are actually used for mahomes this week exactly like that different playbook because we move mahomes off the pocket like you said a lot of boots the first touchdown we threw to travis kelsey was a boot so we uh-huh, get him off right. the pocket, we get him outside of his a different launching point. Obviously, he has the crazy arm angles, very super talented with his arm. He can make every throw. And when you get a guy on the move, you can use his legs as a threat. Because if you watch that play, I broke it down on Twitter. Josh Allen, the defensive end, was kind of in a conundrum. He was stuck. Should I yeah. stick with Travis Kelsey or should I go get Jet McKinnon? And oh mm-hmm. yeah, I have a quarterback who can also run in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So if you put him on these edges, I, that's why I love boots and I love sprint outs because it gives you that run pass option. So we're definitely going to miss that this week, given the fact that uh, Pat's dealing with the ankle injury. And you never know. I think maybe in crunch time situations, he may bust it out because like, hey, they're not expecting it. He has done it all game. They may only save it for one or two times, but I definitely expect his mobility to be limited for sure. But you never know with Andy. Hell, we started the game off with a sprint option, Chris. <laughs> right. <laughs> Last week. Right. <laughs> yeah, none of those are going to be in the playbook. You know, I, long story short, it's, it's essentially the plays that – it sounds like Andy's got a whole playbook that where he grades on his quarterback's strengths. And right now, rolling out and mobility is not going to be Mahomes' strength. So I think we see a lot of those play calls that are any strengths work their way into the playbook. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Um, but ultimately, you're going to need uh, some. And we like, get screen game Andy back this week. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. We're it's McKinnon and Pacheco are very interesting, and it's and it's nice that this team's strength already is the underneath game with Kelsey mm-hmm. and the screen game, and and with McKinnon and Pacheco, and then Juju's not a not a deep route guy. He's more of a, a short mid route receiver as well. So you know, and Tony can run those sweeps in mid route, like. Outside of MBS and Watson, depending on how you feel, but most of these guys, most of these receivers and backs are quick, get it out, you know, find, mm-hmm. read the coverage, find the hole, get it exactly. out quickly. Like, and that's going to, uh, 
I think that's going to be on a full display against the Bengals. It doesn't worry me nearly as much as it probably should. I just think this offense is built to be able to handle Mahomes just exactly. in the pocket. As long Absolutely. as the play calling supports that, which I think it will with a whole week of practice. Absolutely. We've done this playbook before Mahomes got here, and we've done it, like you said, with Henny. So we've ran a, play, a playbook where we don't use the quarterback as much on the edge. So like you said, I'm not worried that much, given the fact I've seen Andy go out there with statues and guys like Matt Moore and Chad Henny go out there and move right. the ball. So I'm pretty sure uh, 75 to 80 or whatever, 90% Mahomes health, I'm pretty sure he'll figure out a way to move the ball still. <laughs> right, for sure. Hey, before we get out of here, you got any other points you want to hit real quick? Uh, if we knocked special, it out, we, probably we talked special, a lot. Special teams, man, we have to be good this week. Just hey. if he can kick it out the back of the end zone, Harrison, I don't care. Just, hey, I that, don't that's care. The goal, Harry. Hey, shout out to Harrison Bucker, one hundred percent last week, guys. Two fifty yarders and a touchdown saving tackle. Let's go, Harrison. And you all wanted this man gone. Let's go, baby. Tommy Townsend with some boots with and some, boot. some nice-looking holds. Yep. Some nice-looking holds. That's all you can ask for. And obviously, <laughs> like, the holding was great. The snapping was great. Obviously, we know our, our punt and kick coverage could have been better. But like we said going into the game, that's Jamal Agnew, one of the best returns in the league. So that was obviously First-team all-pro returner this year. Yeah, like he, he's Him and Cordell Patterson are probably the best two returners in football. So mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't be too mad about it because that's literally what he's what is best in the league at. So. Obviously, a different matchup this week with the Bengals. They have good returners, but not to the level of any Jamal Agnew. So, I don't care. Uh, kick it out the back of the end zone. Kick it out can. the back of the end zone. I know that's easier said than done, <laughs> but just kick it out the back of the end zone. I don't if I don't need to kick it short so that they may start at the twenty instead mm-hmm. of the twenty-five. <laughs> like hey, just doing what you're doing, man. Just keep boot doing. it, and we're, we'll start. They can Joe Burrow can start at the twenty-five every time, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, keep doing what you're doing, Joe. <laughs> What you got score prediction? Uh, I know the over unders probably moved a lot since uh Pat's ankle with his ankle. Yeah, uh, the line's been everywhere. So it's been going up. Depending down. on it's where you're, moving. depending on when you're listening to this, it may have changed five points in in three different directions since then. Exactly. But right now, I've got it at the Bengals as one point favorites with the forty seven over under. Yeah, that's what I got too. And it was two okay. and a half Chiefs favorite a couple hours, a couple, not even a day ago. <laughs> like, right, that's right, right. It's flipped so much. Chiefs are underdog at home. Oof. So I'm definitely, I like the under for sure. I think you like the under. I like the under. I think, I think we try to keep it close and try like to another 24 21 kind of game. Or, yeah, I think, and then like, and that, and that, and we possibly could cover that. That's why I think that over under switches, it could change. Yeah, I think it, it all depends on how, how that's feeling. Like, you're kind of basing off that. Because last two times we played them. I think we have on basically cleared over in the last game, and then the one before that, we obviously hit it too. Um, I'm gonna take the under this week. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Chiefs win twenty six to twenty. Twenty six to twenty. Ooh, you got it close right there on that. Twenty six to twenty. Okay, okay, I like it. Twenty six. You know how you know the Chiefs and Bengals have not played a game decided by more than three points yet. So I'm sticking to that three points. Mm-hmm. I think that the under is to scare everyone because of Mahomes' injury. I think that it's not going to be that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. I think the points are going to be on the board, especially at, coming off a weekend where all four divisional games were hit the under. The offense was not as prevalent. This most recent week in the NFL, I think we see a little tick up towards that in a Chiefs-Bengals game. Give me 31-28 Chiefs. Harrison hits a 54-yarder at the gun to shut up all the haters out there. 
Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. That's where hey, I'm at. Go. See, that's how I felt about it. I feel like it's going to be a tie game. 31 20. I can see it now, 2020. And like, we're going to think, oh, we're going to go over the field goal. Pat's like, I want to win this game. I want to shut everybody up. He played bad in the last time. It's going to be the end of the fourth quarter, drive down, game winning touchdown. Let's go, baby. There you go. There you go. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Dude, did you hear that Travis Kelsey called him a legend today on Bat McAfee's show? He is a legend. What are we talking about? Pat McAfee asked Travis Kelsey about the bank robber, and he was like, man, I probably oh. shook his hand once because he was everywhere. Didn't realize I was shaking hands with a legend when I did. Freaking legend. <laughs> Shout out to Holly, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You got NFL players calling this bank robber in prison a legend. Like, what What world Let's are we call, living baby. in? What world are we living in? But – Oh, my goodness. CJ, where can the good people find you, my friend? They can definitely find me on Twitter and definitely follow the Aftermath page at AftermathKC. My personal page is CGZ81. That's C-J-E-E-Z-Y-8-1. If you have any questions about gambling tips, matchups, X's and O's, draft questions, even though that season's approaching, I'm definitely open in comments. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for appreciating and following us this year. Yeah, CJ's the man. He's on top of all that film breakdown. Um, does it better than I ever could. So always definitely give him a Chris follow. Chris is the man. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> um, you can always follow me on Twitter at tenpenny eighty eight. You know, as as I try to sneak in the show earlier, you know, I do like my baseball with with my football. So just be. I like to prepare people for that. You know, I know it's not everyone's cup of it's tea. On the way, people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all football right now, man. Man, Chiefs, Chiefs, Bengals. I am absolutely excited, CJ. You be you gonna be there? I will be in the building. Of course you're gonna be there. Why like, wouldn't you be there? God is good, bro. God is great. I'll be very blessed. Oh with my tonight. goodness gracious. All oh, right. Well, I have to start going to more games and more so sitting closer because we know the more we win, the more Lamar Hunt's gonna start raising these prices. And Clark, we know how the Hunt family is, and obviously shout out to Lamar, Clark, the whole Hunt family. When we start making money. The prices go up, Chris. Like, I'm not going to lie. I love the Chiefs, but I'm like, hey, there's a lot of decibels oh, being moved in these goodness. ticket prices. And it used to this, be like this when I was a kid, Chris. We used to get in for a lot cheaper. So this, this, is, what man, this is what it feels like to be a winner, huh? This like man's going everywhere. He, 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 he's like at winning. every game, you know. Good for good for CJ. You know, he, he's hashtag blessed over there, get up there at partying for the AFC championship. <laughs> but I will be at home drinking some few Bud Lattes watching the game. Oh, yeah. So that's where I'll be. Not all, again, not all of us are as fortunate, but I'm just messing with you, CJ. Have I try a good to bless time, people as much as I can. Man. I blessed a lucky fan with a ticket this past week. So. I know, I know that that's that was that was awesome. That someone got a divisional game. That's very generous of you. I'm just messing with you, man. So, all right, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening to us. We'll talk to you next time. Go Chiefs. <laughs>